Today's sermon, I think, was, uh, was adjusted last night after the, the announcement, but God inspired and prepared. Uh, well, I was thinking, you know, what would people want me to hear at a time like this? You know, last week, I challenged you to use the time you have to, to, to get to know God, to connect with Him. You know, there's, there's no more busyness per se. Uh, in fact, uh, we've been given a lot more time than we could have ever imagined. Um, most of you are going to spend most of your time at home. And uh, you're going to have some time that you never thought you have. And of course, there'll be other things that will be distracting you. But I, I challenge you to, to spend time, uh, reserve a time for God. Um, you don't have to commute anymore. Uh, you don't have to be, be in meetings anymore. Uh, although, yes, you maybe have to be on meeting online, but it's going to be different. And you're going to have some time. So spend this, this, this time, these four weeks, to do what I'm going to be sharing with you today. The sermon title for today is called Taste and See that the Lord is Good. You know, um, we're right now in a period that is known by many uh, other Christian groups uh, that is called the Lent. Uh, Adventists, we don't traditionally celebrate this season as per how it's, it's supposed to be um, because there's a lot of uh, things that you do during this time of Lent that in order to prepare yourself for the Easter weekend, we are not so much into that tradition. But the spirit of Lent is something that I like to encourage. You know? and, and Lent is about the time where they, they deprive, those who practice it traditionally, deprive themselves of comfort and luxury and, uh, in order to prepare themselves for what they, they know. Uh, uh, we all know it's the Passion Week, the week that Jesus goes through hardship, to uh, try to identify our experience with the Lord. It's also inspired by the 40 days of wilderness that, that Jesus spent in preparation for His ministry, when He was deprived of the luxury and comfort. You know, I think as a, a world, we are being put into a time of Lent. You know, we, we've been deprived of our normalcy, our things that we are used to, where we are we're comfortable with, um, it's as though the whole world is going through the time of Lent to, to, to deprive ourselves, uh, not willingly, of comfort, of, of certain joys. Um, and it's amazing that it's right at this moment, you know, that, that Singapore announced this uh, one week away from Easter, that we really go into this Passion Week in the spirit of Lent. And so it is in this context I have to share what I'm going to share today. You know, Lent starts uh, on Ash Wednesday, and in this year, I think it was the 19th of February. You know, you come back 40 days from the, uh, the day of uh, Good Friday. And Ash, Friday, uh, Ash Wednesday was very, is very significant. Ash Wednesday is specifically set as Ash Wednesday to remind humans that we are ashes to ashes, dust to dust that we are humans and, uh, and we are created from dust. That in fact, without God in our lives, we are nothing. And that starts this whole Lent period. And I think it's a very good reminder for us you know, in this time that to remind ourselves of who we are without God. You know, one virus, one invisible thing that we can't see with our naked eye is destroying our lives, is destroying our society. How fragile are we, as, are we as humanity? I think God don't actively, proactively cause us the virus, but He's allowing it to remind us about who we are. And I think it's a good time of reflection. So as you spend time in your homes connecting with God, I ask you to taste and see that the Lord is good. But you're asking me, James, how? How do I do that? You know, I, I, as, I, as the, the saying goes, right, I can tell you how tasty and sweet a piece of orange is 
and I can describe it and make you drool, but unless you try it for yourself, you will never know how it tastes. I just start off this morning from a reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 1 to 22, is where today's sermon is inspired from. Psalm 34, verse 1. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. If you don't know this story, David was running away from Saul and he was before Abimelech and he pretended to be crazy to protect himself. Now he would do crazy things for the king that was supposed to be so that his life would be spared. And man... He did crazy things. And so in that time of of anguish, David wrote this. It was not in a time of comfort. It was not in a time where where he was sitting in his palace with his royal robes and delicious grapes fed to him. No, it was in a time of hardship. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desire life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eye of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. As as you read Psalm 34, you know, as you read it, I'm not sure whether you realize that it's not written to people who have been blessed per se and kept out of trouble and sailed above the storm. 
is written to David, by David, to people who are going through troubles, but they know that while they're going through the trouble, who they can rely on. Singapore is going through trouble. You and I are going through trouble. Not just COVID-19, but also from the, the other stuff that's from COVID-19. And you may at this time start to doubt whether God exists, whether God cares, and whether God is there to do something about it. But God from the Scripture, from the early days, have told His people that you will not be with, with, without trouble. But in your trouble, I am there with you. I am by your side. I will lift you out of it. And then we think, oh, so what this verse is saying that God will fix my problems. But if you read it carefully, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. But it first starts with a spirit of blessing God and praising Him. It is difficult, especially when you're going through trouble, to praise God for who He is, for His goodness. But God says, that's where you start. When you recognize that the circumstance does not affect who you are and the peace you can receive. That my blessing is not just materialistic. It can be. That my blessing is beyond that, is more than that. That even when your circumstance starts crumbling, when your body starts breaking down, you can still give praise. When you're running away from your enemy, pretending to be crazy, you can still give praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. As that, if you want to taste the Lord, try this. Continually praise Him throughout the day. It may feel weird. It may feel awkward. I know I have a discomfort with people who say, praise God all the time. Praise Jesus. But you don't have to care about other people while you're at home. You're just by yourself. Maybe your family will get a little bit annoyed. But if the whole family comes together and try to see God in the things that you have, you do realize that you have a house. You have a place to stay. You can stay at home. I've heard stories from my friend who's working in ministry in India. That some part of India, the people shared with him that, why should I stay at home? I'd rather take the risk with the COVID-19 virus and die than stay at home and starve to death. Either way for me is death, they're saying. You and I can go to NTUC FairPrice, grab a lot of food, grab instant noodle, grab chips, grab ice cream, put it in your fridge, and your complaint is not not having food. Your complaint is, my fridge is not big enough. And you can hoard all these groceries and you complain, I don't get fresh food. And then Singapore government says, don't worry, Singaporean. Hawker center is still open. You can still buy food. You can now, in Singapore, you don't even have to go and buy because considered as essential service is food delivery. You can actually call one of the companies, I'm not going to name them, they're not giving me any money for this, and they will go and buy the food for you and deliver to your house. Wow. We have lots to be thankful about if we take time to notice it. I'm thankful. I'm sitting here in aircon. Seriously, 
This is something I should be thankful about. We are online on the internet with high-speed internet. Thank God. I have someone who supports this live stream, came willingly by himself, Kelly, who supports this. I'm thankful. Some friends of mine, pastors overseas, have to rig up a system by themselves at home. And I feel bad for them. I'm thankful. What are you thankful about? Are, are there things that you can praise God for despite the circumstance? Oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt His name together. You know, we're not in this just by ourselves. It's also time we need to encourage one another because we all go through seasons, up and downs. Every day is different. We, we sending a, a praise and sharing a praise you have with the community that you, you connect with may help somebody else who in that community may be feeling really down and then they hear about your testimony and they go, wow, God is still working. So don't just keep it to yourself. Share it. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Do you read this? It says, David sought the Lord in his trouble. He went to God. The time that you have right now at home, go to God. But you see, God didn't deliver him from his troubles at this point in time. The first thing God wants to deliver us is from our fears. Fear is something that is really beyond our control. It's something that our mind creates from what we see. The substance of nightmares. We can't wish and will our fears away. I mean, you can try to conquer some of your fear. For example, fear of heights and you just, go and just do crazy stuff just to try to saturate it and overcome it. But, but ultimately, we all have fears. And David says the solution to our fear of this uncertainty it's not in looking for solutions by ourselves, but to seek God. God will take away your fear. And he says, those who look at him are radiant and our, we will not need to be ashamed. We can be proud and, and shining because we know where our help comes from. God hears, God saves. And if you take time to experience and taste him, it says here in verse 8, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let him be your protection. It's a time for us to really reflect and think about where we are taking our refuge in. I don't know. For a pastor, I may take refuge in my knowledge. I may take refuge in being liked by my church members. I may take refuge that I have a stable income that can support my family. I may take refuge in the fact that I, I'm trying to exercise more regularly and keeping myself healthy. But the Scripture challenges us that all those things are good, but for us to take refuge in Him, the source of life, the source of help. So peace in a time like this, as according to the Bible says, is having a right relationship with God. Peace is not the absence of troubles, but peace is having a right relationship with God. Church, do you have a right relationship with God? Are you in a place with Jesus where you know you're connecting with Him continuously, daily? Or have you been relying on the physical gathering of the church 
Now is the time to look back again at your relationship. You may be a new Christian, but most of the time the trouble of not having a right relationship with God is not with the new Christians. They're on fire. They may be too much, but not too little. It's for those of us who've been in church for a while, and we've gotten used to the habits of coming to church, of doing things, even reading the Bible. But then we were not cultivating our relationship with God. The next question I want to challenge you with is, we, we say, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to know you. Many people say, I want to know God better. Do you? Do you really want to know Jesus? Or are you trying to find a bomb to, to heal your hurt and pain and that's it? You're trying to find something to fulfill the needs you have and that's it? Is that all that you're looking for? Or do you really want to know Jesus? If you do, and as you spend time for the next four weeks getting to know Jesus, I have some guidelines for you. Hopefully, that will help you along your journey. And uh, from this quote from Stanley Hurwitz and William Willimon, is the first step to peace is letting go of ourselves, our things, our world. The first step to receiving peace in this current climate or any time is letting go of ourselves, our wants, our desire, the things we rely on to give us peace, because those things, once they are gone, we lose our peace. And even the world or how they shaped us and tell us what gives us peace. Give that up. Because according to the Bible, there's only one source of peace, one source of connection, and that is God. So if you want to taste and see that the Lord is good, if you want to know who God is, who Jesus is, if that's really your desire, first thing that you have to do, you have to let go of your preconception and tradition. I don't know which tradition you grew up in. You may not even be Christian. But the way we're brought up shapes our understanding of who God is. Let it go. Go to the Bible as if you're a blank piece of paper. It's really hard. Try. Trying will do a lot better than not trying. And as you read the Scripture, let the Scripture tell you who Jesus is as it is. Try, be careful and not just put your preconceived ideas into it. Hang on before you try to explain what He's trying to say. Just read, slow down and say, God, I'm reading, I want to know you. Explain yourself to, to me. Put away the preconception. Put away what you think God is and what God is not. Put away what the church has been telling the doctrines of who God is. Put it all aside for now. Read the Bible and then read it and let God reveal Himself to you as He is. Then step back and then look around and see what tradition actually is correct. Take it back. What preconceived idea is actually accurate. Take it back. And for those things that's not, leave it there. Second, as you read, there will be the good part and there will be a challenging part of who God is. Worship God as He is, as He exists, not as what, who he, you want Him to be. You know, it's many times that we, we, have a, we have an idea of what we want God to be. And we read the Scripture looking for answers, looking for that God that we want Him to be. 
and you find Him. You always find the God you want to find, but that's not who God really is. Read and try to understand the God as He exists. Don't jump to Google. Don't jump to like books about commentary about Him. Uh, don't go there yet. Wait. Those things are good also. But leave it there first. Read the Scripture, the Bible itself first and pray for the Holy Spirit because ultimately the Scripture is also a communication of who God is. God Himself wants to bring you into all truth. John 16, 13 says that the Holy Spirit wants to bring you into truth and understanding of who He is, of who God is. So worship God as He exists, not who you want Him to be. You know, one pointer about that is, you know, what is idol worship? The Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt have no idols, not made unto thee anything that is in heaven or that is on earth or anything that is in the water. Nothing. No idols. But you know what can be idol worship for Christians? When we worship an image of God that is not true. An image of God that we've created that is not biblical. And we worship that because that's our tradition, that's the God we know growing up, and that's who we have been taught that He is that. But it's not God. That's your image of God, and that's, my brothers and sisters, an idol. And some of us may not be at that extent, but we are not having a very accurate picture of God. I'm not saying you have to be 100% correct. We're all growing in our knowledge of who God is. But then we may have decided, some of us may have decided that this is it. This is who God is. There's no room for growth. That's it. That's when we're in danger of falling into this idol worship of the image of God. Don't be too proud of who you know God to be. Continue to seek Him. I know of a 96-year-old man who once in a while when we connect, he'll tell me, James. He called me his son. He said, my son, man, let me share with you what something new I've learned about God. And I tell you, this grandpa, this man, if anybody reads the Bible, he reads the Bible. He spends two hours in the morning, especially now that he's retired and he's older, he can't move around very much. Two hours in the morning reading the Scripture, two hours in the evening reading the Scripture. Four hours. That's more than some of us for a week or a month or a year. And he still tells me, started believing in God and coming to church at 26 years old. After 70 solid years of reading the Bible, he can still tell me, son, I found something new. I'm still growing my knowledge of God. And for me, who's going to be 40 this year, I've still got a long way to go. And I believe there's still a lot of who God is I have yet to discover. You know, every time I, I reach the, the tents, I get a new experience. Uh, when I was in my 20s, you know, I went to the, the, I was in the NS and I was preparing for my studies and eventually I went to Australia. It reset who I thought God was. You know, from, uh, growing, up in, growing up in a church, growing up in a pastor's home, I thought I knew who God is. Went to Australia and, and it reset my understanding of who God is and it, it grow, helped me grow in my knowledge of who God is to a great extent. And I spent 10 years getting to know God there and when I was 30 years old, I thought, man, I know who God is. I'm preaching about Him. At that point, I was not a pastor yet, but I was a lay preacher. I was giving Bible study. I like, I know God. Then I decided to go into pastoral ministry. And at 30 years old, I went to Andrews. Man, first week in class, I, would tell, I told myself, I don't know who God is. God is so much more than I've ever imagined. 
how proud of me to think that I've known God. And then, you know, you go into the Master of Divinity program. You spend four solid years studying Old Testament, studying New Testament, studying church history, studying Greek, studying Hebrew. And then like, yeah, after four years, you're like, I know God. At least a lot more than what I think. And I spend the next seven and coming to eight years in NASDAQ sharing with you who I think God is. And uh, this year, I started my, my doctorate program. And I flew to the U.S., First week of class. In fact, first day of class. God's like, James, you still don't know me. There's a lot more of who I am you've not discovered. Once again, my mind was reset and God says, I am so much more. Don't put God in a bottle. He doesn't fit. Don't put God in a box. He doesn't fit. Don't put God in a church building. He doesn't fit. He is bigger anything you can ever imagine. This is the James White that is not from our church tradition. He's not an Adventist James White that passed away. This James White is still alive. Somehow I read a book by another James White. Um, and he says, Such an attitude cannot be forced on anyone. It takes a miracle for the naturally hostile soul to be made willing to love God and seek His face. This is very important, church, because what I'm asking you to do you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Naturally, as human beings, we do not desire it. We will not want to seek it. It is not who we are. Accept that. Even as a pastor, it is not like, I wake up and yes, I love the fact I can wake up and read the Bible. I wish I was there every day. Some days, maybe. Most days, I wake up and say, it's a discipline. I want to know God and I have to go and pray and say, Holy Spirit, Help me to calm my mind, not be distracted by the busyness of life, that I can now get to know my God. So indeed, what you are going to experience for the next four weeks in getting to know God and having a desire to seek Him is going to be a miracle. If you say, I've never experienced a miracle, now is the time. You will be experiencing a miracle if you seek for it, that you will now have a desire and want to know God. You will actually, your soul will, 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 will change from your hostility towards the love of God to now wanting to know who God is. And the miracle that you're going to experience, I promise you, if you seek it with your heart, is you're going to love God, you're going to accept who He is as He exists, and you're going to hunger for more knowledge of who He is. And this can only come as a gift from the Holy Spirit, from God, to us. It's not something that we can do by ourselves. So don't try. Ask for His power to do that. And as I conclude, I hope my guidelines will help you. I'd like to pray for all of you who are willing to receive this miracle in this coming week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the church. I pray that, Lord, that they will receive this wonderful miracle, that they will come to love you, they will come to experience you, they will come to hunger for you. And that, Lord, you'll be something they've never imagined themselves to be. But, Lord, we will know that it comes from you. So I pray, Father, that may your spirit dwell in us in this next four weeks as we spend time with you. Be with the church, be with the community, be with all those who have tuned in from everywhere in the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll see you, church, next week. 
in whatever format that we're going to be, but continue to join the online church and gather together virtually. Remember Thursday, there will be a prayer meeting at fb.com, Hope Channel Singapore. I'll see you.